Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 325th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's not about to get pickpocketed on the lonely docks of Baldur's Gate. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. an MTG critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? Well, uh, this week we're going to lead off by talking about the Magic Online game and re- uh, metagame and review. We've got a modern challenge and a pioneer challenge to talk about. Uh, then we're going to get into the top movers, first in paper and then online. Then you and I have some good cards to watch, including a uh, a pretty great uh, reader pick. Uh, I think I might have some of those, actually. And then finally, we're going to get into the next batch of reveals from uh, Commander Legends to the Battle for Baldur's Gate. Most of it's been revealed, but we've still got a couple things left to go. And there's some stuff that we need to think about in here. All right, so for the Modern Challenge this Saturday, that was May 21st, we had four-color Omnath Yorian in first, a Living End in second, another Omnath Yorian deck in third, Blue-White Hammer Time in both fourth and eighth, uh, a double dose of Amulet Titan in fifth and sixth, and a Blue-Red Murktide list in seventh, running the full four Ledger Shredder. I mean, we, we've talked about Ledger Shredder. We're going to talk about Ledger Shredder. It is a good card in a set that wants to in a deck that wants to cast a lot of spells and get something uh useful into the graveyard so this is going to be around for a while it's almost immediately out of bolt range too which is super handy in modern probably worth noting that in these omnath lists they both were running two copies of oath of nissa i'd keep an eye on those foils given that it's also seen play in fires of invention uh planeswalker decks in pioneer here and there and, st- and just a just a generally good card selection card, especially in Planeswalker decks in EDH as well. I certainly run a copy in Atraxa. Um, notable that Ledger Shredder shows up here as a 4-of in Blue-Red Murktide. My Aspiring Spike started off testing as a 2-of. Uh, and then over in the Pioneer Challenge on the Sunday on May 22nd, we have Winota in first, and then three different flavors of Blue-Red decks um, with... A lot of spells in common, but a few different approaches on the creature side of things. There's a blue-red Arclight Phoenix list in second that also ran for Ledger Shredder. A blue-red Control-style list that is Narset plus Days Undoing and Fourth Thing in the Ice in third. And then a blue-red Aggro list that leans heavier on the Prowess creatures and also runs four times Ledger Shredder. So you have multiple decks in Pioneer running Ledger Shredder. It's being played in um, Rafine decks in Standard. You've also got it showing up in blue-red Murktide now as a four of, and it's one of the top 
rares in the set on EDH rack as well. So most underrated, underspotted card out of the set. I think that's kind of a slam dunk, right? Right. We didn't see this coming. Um, and if you bought every card at release, uh, one of those cards, two of those cards is going to go up in value, but most of them are going to go down, which is why we generally tell people don't buy too quick. But if you figured out Ledger Shredder early, you're able to uh, flip it. And uh, what's it at right now? Is it 15 last 16 or so? so yeah, yeah, $16. I mean, I have a hard time thinking it can hold 16 but, you know, what else in the set is holding a lot of value? You know, this we do, might we be... Do know, we do know approximately what the ceiling is, because right. I lost my bet with... Uh, Ben over at Star City Games that Baseju would get down to towards ten dollars by this time. Nope, still sitting pretty firm at twenty five. So that's kind of the the existing standard for ceilings on standard set rares. Like Ledger Shredder is more valuable than it's the number three card. Uh, Bootlegger Snatch and Obnixis are the only cards above it, according to uh, Goldfish. You know, it's above all of the Trilands. It's above uh, Luxio, or it's above, you know, all all the other mythics. So, like, you know, this, I can't see a, a world where it comes down too much now that it's a four of in at least one modern deck, and it's a four of in different flavors of blue-red decks. So, am I, I mean, do are we willing to tell people to buy at this price? Like, what's it going to be in a year? If you're buying at 16 to exit at 25, your buy list exit's probably closed off to you um, because buy list is unlikely to get above 20, making it profitable. If you are looking for a play set, I think now, and you need it, then now is a fine time. It could drift down over the summer down towards 10 or 12, but it could also sit cleanly there or pump up to 18 or 19 or $20. Um, and if it skips being in any challenger decks for the next year, that may well be a $30 plus rare. I mean, same kind of, same kind of situation as Baseju. If you're going to play it, I think you, you go ahead and get it. And, uh, you know, I wish I'd spot it sooner. Would have been some, some good money to be made. I, I got out on my foil extended art that I opened at 30 and they're still sitting at 30. I have, I, I, I'm also in the midst of pulling together an article, that go, does a very deep dive on most of the major sets from the last three years, looking at what version you should be buying. And the short version is you're supposed to be buying regular copies of most things. The So I think foil extended art versions of rares that have already gotten into the high 20s to low 30s are, are going, you're going to have trouble, um, you know, doubling off on that again, going from 30 to 60 as popular as this card is. Mm -hmm. So could they get there? I mean, the inventory is dwindling. It might happen. But generally speaking, you're probably best off selling at 30, between 30 and 35, and then figuring out the next thing that's going to be underrated in Commander Legends 2, which could very easily uh, present opportunities given current sentiment about that set. Uh, but we'll get into that more in a moment. Uh, Lotus Field Combo was 5th and 6th in the Pioneer Challenge, and then Blue-White Control was in 7th, 4 copies of the Wandering Emperor, 4 copies of Teferi Hero of Dominaria, and then another Blue-Red Aggro deck with 4 Ledger Shredder in 8th. So that's a total of 12 copies of that card in the top 8 there. 
and a, 16 copies across the two formats. It seems like a, a real winner. I love these these blue red aggro lists. They're just you know they know what they want to do and they want to get a cheap thing down and go to town. You know you've got your uh, shredders, you've got your sprite dragon, you've got swift spears and soul scars. Just let's get there. And yet again, uh, four treasure crews. Uh, I just can't ever believe <laughs> it's pioneer legal. But that's where we're at. And they're they're playing uh, that instead of dig through time because it's going to be one less mana. You're already at 18 land. You don't want to go much further down than that. In case people were wondering, there were 12 copies of Besaju across the two top eights versus 16 Ledger Shredders. For what that's worth. That's wild. So worth keeping an eye on. Moving on over to top paper movers. A lot of this movement is based on reveals from the Commander Legends 2 Baldur's Gate product that's uh, in preview season right now. Starting off with Cryptolith Rite out of Shadows over Innistrad, going from 13 to 15.50, but 20% gains. That's on behalf of Jahira, the new green commander that... Says all your tokens tap for uh, have tap at a green. Right. So that's all of your clues, all of your blood tokens, all of your... Food tokens, and most importantly, all of your treasure tokens are now Mox Emeralds. And it also means that all the creatures that get pumped out in Genife Jetmir decks are tapping for green. There's a lot of potential for abuse there. There's also a bunch of Myriad cards in Commander Legends too. Um, so if for some reason those tokens, Myriad tokens, are uh, oh, that's attacking, true. With, attacking with Vigilance, although I can't imagine off the top of my head why that would be the case. I guess they could tap before they disappear there's a bunch of silly things that that can be done uh with this card both as a commander and in the 99 um is it a background commander i think it is right yes uh jihir has a background yeah so it can be a two color commander as well which is pretty cool got smuggler share extended arts going from 35 to 48 uh 37 gains there i i maintain that there's no way this is a 50 dollars card there there are plenty of other card advantage incremental advantage engines in edh that are way cheaper than this that will fit in your deck and do similar work but they the market disagrees and keeps pushing this higher and higher this is uh just the extent this is the extended art right this is the one that's going to be in you can pull it from a a commander booster a collector booster collector booster yeah yeah, I mean, but even the regular ones are listing for uh, an impressive amount. It, I, I gotta say, I agree with you on this. Like, this does not seem like it should be this good, especially because your opponent has power over this. Like, we're gonna, I'll, I would compare this to uh, one of your picks that we're gonna talk about. It's just what? It's not even a contest. I mean, as a rare, it's even more ridiculous then. The Argivian Archaeologist out of Antiquities, 230 to 320, 40% gains. I've noticed that these were drained well out. I, I think I listed a copy just under 500 on eBay, and it looked like there wouldn't be much competition in and around that price point. I guess this is a old card buyout heading into the Brothers War. That seems likely. Expect, I mean, expecting lots of artifacts and cards with this theme. Stuff from Antiquities, it only takes like one or two copies, and it'll show up on our lists. For new magic heads, they may not realize that Antiquities is actually the original Brothers War. It's, a, it's about the same thing. They just weren't really very far down the road at that point in terms of developing their narratives succinctly or having key story beats 
well manifested in the set, but there's actually quite a lot of that original story that is told in flavor text on those cards. There's also some old magic comics you can dig up that that go through the events. So I'm curious how close we are closely aligned the new the updated narrative will be with what we saw there. It also ends up with the advent of the first Phyrexians via Yogmoth being completed and then starting to complete others. So there's a lot of story threads being tied together when we get to the Brothers War this fall. If you haven't read the the novelization, The Brothers War by Jeff Grubb, you should go read it. It's really good. Counterspell 331, the borderless version out of Secret Lair, went from 9 to 14. Those just started landing over the last couple weeks, right? Yeah, that's in the uh, the Arcane version, right? No, it's not the Arcane one, but it's from the same release pattern. Like the same super drop. Yeah, I think of... I don't remember what the names of the, the Super Drops are. I just think of it as like whatever IP they have it uh, mixed in with. That one is from Far Out Man. Far Out Man. The, the one that also has Mystical Tutor. And they're all borderless, which was a good choice. Yeah, like it, it makes me crazy that some of these are borderless, like with the translucent frame. And then you have all the artist focus series, which don't get this treatment. It's really frustrating. Yeah, the artist, yeah. I, I don't know why they don't just commit to borderless cards more or less across the board here. Or unique borders like they did with the Pixel Lands. Something. Then we've got Minamo, School at Water's Edge, out of Champions of Kamigawa, foils from 48 to 96. That untaps Legends. No, there's there's just lots of commanders you want to untap. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, it's worth saying, if you have a hankering for the, the foils of a Minamo, you can still get your Mystery Booster foils for uh you know twenty three dollars or so on TCG, like this is a, another one where it just takes one or two sales, and the price jumps way up. But there's still uh, much cheaper versions available via the the mystery booster. Worst fears out of uh, Journey into Nyx three fifty to seven, just about a double up. I'm not sure which commander that's connected to. That's the one where you get to take control of an opponent's next turn. Um, could be Beamtown Bullies people would run it in to decide which who the goaded creatures attack. It, it's not going to take much for a, a Mythic from Journey into Nyx to move this much. Like, that was the the small set problem. So you have, you know, one of these packs open for every six you had of Theros Beyond Death. So Oh, I, I see who it is. It's a combination of Angelo the Painter. Okay. Um, the first instant or sorcery spell you cast each turn has Casualty 2. That seems good. So you would take control of two turns uh, by sacking a two-power creature. Or Zevlor, Elturil Exile, the Tiefling Warrior out of Commander Legends 2. Haste, 4-2, two, two-tap. Whenever you cast an, you next cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a single opponent or a single permanent in opponent controls, for each other opponent, choose that player or permanent they control, copy that spell, blah, blah, blah. So with Zevlor, you get to take control of all the table's turns. Right. Which is just ha- havoc, and no one's going to love you anymore. I mean, you're not playing a card like this for the, the loving feelings. No. So that's cute. And then we have Unlicensed Hearse has been exceeding expectations, not unlike Ledger Shredder. Looked like a cute uh, graveyard removal spell. We we theorized that maybe at two mana instead of one mana and not getting rid of the whole yard immediately, it wouldn't do enough. But it showed up plenty in standard pioneer in modern as a slightly less efficient graveyard handling spell 
that nevertheless gains additional benefit by being a big beater to finish the game with later. So you can do things against like blue-red Murktide. They're probably going to get off their first Murktide, but maybe not their second because you've been mining their yard and they have trouble getting back to the, the requisite number of spells, say five or four, five, or six by the mid-game. Then the hearse can start swinging for solid damage at some point. Yeah, you know, it's like we said, it's turning out to, to do enough uh, right away, and you can just make sure that they don't have a stocked-up yard, and some of these decks really want to have a stocked-up yard. Then we have Plaza of Harmony foils from Ravnica Legions, 5 to 13, Gatekeeper Vine from RTR, foils going $1.25 to $5, and Guild Summit from Guilds of Ravnica going 4 to 16 all on the back of the new Sultai Gate Commander. The thing is, that commander can't run enough gates to necessarily be worth it. That's so... A point that um, Seth over at Goldfish was making on his YouTube channel recently. Um, and you know he was suggesting that probably something like Child of Alara is still your best bet to go five color gates. And that this card would certainly make the deck... Um, yeah, Guild Summit's right amazing. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean the 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 three the Sultai Commander. Oh yeah, the card the makes the ninety nine, but like hat being restricted where you can't play uh, Gates of Blaze, especially, is just like yeah. really, really awful. It's also just that you don't have enough. You don't have a critical mass of gates in the deck if you can't have all five colors worth of gates. Right, because between three colors, you don't. You literally do not have enough gates to make mazes yeah. and win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think people are actually going to be building that commander, but I, I don't think that invalidates the gate-related specs because people will build it with a, you know, Child of Alara or some other five-color commander and include all the relevant cards. And Gates is just a really fun deck if you ever played it back in the day. I It was one of my favorites to play because you're playing these terrible lands, but you get, you know, Guild Summit, which is the, uh, you get to draw a card for every gate you play, and then you get to Gates of Blaze, and you just have the best Wrath at the cheapest price. All right, finish us up on these top paper movers. Uh, next up, we have Sitinal Hierophant, Hierophant. I've never been sure how to say this stupid word, but uh, the Urza's Saga rare going from four to about 26. Uh, for three and a green, it's a three, two. It says creatures you control have tap, add a green. So it works really well with tokens, works really well with new Jahira. And then uh, finally, our biggest mover of the week was Lucky Clover. Uh, foils out of Throne of Eldraine have gone from a dollar to about six uh, because we're getting a new adventure commander and people seem very certain we're not going to get a reprint of Lucky Clover and foil there. And like I I hate buying uh, foils of things when we don't know what, what's coming in the decks, but this seems like we don't know every card in Baldur's Gate, but Lucky Clover does seem like a real uh, difficult addition to put in given what we've got already. Did it crunch out? Do you know? Lucky Clover? Yeah. I haven't checked, but I don't think it'll be in there. I suspect that the Adventure Commander is not going to be that great. Right. That I've been kind of holding my breath looking for some really amazing Adventure cards, and a lot of them look like they are tuned for Limited. Um, those uncommon dragons that were revealed today, and many of the others. There are a few standouts, but... I don't see that adventure commander being, you know, top five of the month or anything. It It's nice to have a commander that tells you exactly what to do. But uh, I think in this case, like none of the adventures themselves are really like busted in half. So you're not going to get that much extra value out of it. Let's put it this way. Giada was, drove a lot of specs over the last month. 
and even that card has fallen out of the top five of the last week. So she's number three for the last month, but in the last week, she's number six. Well, I mean, we've we've got all these new toys to play with. No, no. no not, nobody from Commander Legends 2 is in this list yet. Those oh. cards are... This is Henzi and Angelo from uh, New Capenna, Prosper from Last Summer, Atraxa from Forever, and Corval back to fifth. Which doesn't surprise me, because I think actually think that Atraxa and Corvold have gotten more toys lately. Prosper as well. All three of those commanders are A, you know, top 10, top 20 commanders all time. B, much more interesting builds than Giada. We've got like a, a pro trader that's playing with us every weekend. He's been refining Giada week after week. It's getting better and better. But it still generally just plays out as a fairly linear tribal deck. Yeah. And so if if he, he he curves out and nobody wraths, he destroys us. But that's also true of something like Slivers. That's also true of something like Merfolk. That's also true of Edgar Vampires. There's, there's a lot of commander decks that play out that way. And I don't think that the play experience with Jada is interesting enough to keep her in, you know, top 10 for the year, etc. Um, hmm. and I, and I see that this trend where if you look at the top 20 commanders, there are extremely few monocolored commanders these days because people are, have been playing commander long enough. Now they want unique build and play experiences. They want the build to be interesting and they want the play pattern to be interesting. And, Part of it is that Wizards keeps shoving multicolor commanders in our face. I mean, right. they aren't printing that many monocolor commanders these days. But it's also just like a monocolor commander is so limited. And and in fact, you can see them understanding that in what they did here with the monocolor commanders and the monocolor backgrounds. where they Yeah, you get to uh, choose your color combination. Well, well, they're basically saying monocolor commanders aren't enough. They don't get it, they don't see enough play. So we've okay. got to add we got to bet create this new rule tweak where you can have a monocolor commander on the face of it but it's actually a modal commander because you can choose the second color at will and pick a background and then you're going to have some of those commanders are going to end up having three or four different ways to build them like jahir is a good example i haven't thought through which of the backgrounds are best for her yet but i bet you at least there's at least two or three different ways to go yeah and those those are going to be the most interesting of the background commanders are going to be the ones that can end up getting built a bunch of different ways, which is, you know, one of the reasons that cards like Prosper, Attracts, and Corvold are so popular, because there are a bunch of different ways to build them. I'm with you on that. So, uh, moving right along here, we've got, that was Top Paper Movers, moving on to Magic Online Movers of the Week. Spire Bluff Canal out of Kaladesh went from 9.5 ticks to almost 14, 42% gains. Heavy Pioneer play there. We saw three different iterations of Blue-Red decks running Spire Bluff Canal, uh, and it still sees play in Modern as well in the Blue-Red decks. Uh, Rogrin Triome out of Ikoria, five tickets to seven and a half or so, 42% gains there as well on multi-format play. And then Tangle Wire at a Nemesis went from a dollar 1.16 ticks to 2.5 ticks, 115% gains. I have no idea what happened there. I don't know if there was a legacy event where it did well, um, but I would guess that would be the case. And then Titan of Industry out of Streets of New Capanna went from two tickets to 7.3. And I know a bunch of the pro traders that pay attention to our Magic Online channel made a bunch of money there getting in early on that mythic. 
I mean, it's amazing if you've ever casted it. Just like it's it's laughably good. So I'm I'm glad that we're finding space in standard for seven mana to be worthwhile. That makes me happy. Uh, I'm assuming that's getting played a bunch in standard. Yeah, there's like a junk mid range deck that's very popular in standard that runs a couple copies of this at the t- the high end or puts them in the sideboard and brings them in later. Like one one in the main, one in the board. Also worth pointing out that there was a Pro Tour <laughs> this weekend. I don't know how many people were pay- even flagged that. Uh, and they were playing Standard, I believe, on Arena. Right. And, yeah, I watched some games. It was fine. Nothing special. It's I don't know what it is. I just... After they spent so much time tearing that whole system down, I'm having trouble plugging back into it and caring. And it, it certainly didn't seem like it moved much in the way of card prices, at least in paper this weekend. That's the thing that, that struck me is that, like, with a, a paper Pro Tour, we always, like, you would I would do round-by-round round stuff to see what had gotten, you know, attention and what looked good because mm-hmm. all it would take is one good televised match for a card to go crazy. And now it's like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to move that much. I, I am curious when we get to the Paper Pro Tour, which is going to be Pioneer, uh, whether that's going to move the needle on some cards. I suspect it will, because I think vendors and, and speculators will be paying attention, and players as well. So Without looking, we'll when see. is it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's some, somewhere in the next few months. I will be... Uh... I will be watching the World Championship. Uh, a guy I play with up here, uh, he made the uh, the field, so I'll, I probably will be watching that, though, just for personal interest. It looks like it's going to be... I don't think we actually know the date yet. Everything I'm finding says the, the first Pro Tour will feature Pioneer and Limited, and it's scheduling, tentatively scheduled for early 2023. So I don't think we have a date on that yet. Oh, it it well. felt it felt like they they put a placeholder uh, like a bookmark down. They qualified right. people, but they're not a hundred percent sure of the COVID circumstances, probably. So they pushed it out far enough that they are hoping they won't have to worry about it yeah. <laughs> too much. Uh, unfortunately, now they have to deal with monkeypox too, and hopes are not high. Moving right along here, going on to cards to watch. I've got some good ones this week. How about Azorius Signet Foil Etched from Secret Lair? 3 to 12 month timeline, confidence level of 9 out of 10. Buy price is currently about 12 bucks. It's going to get to, I think, 25 to 30. Let's call it 28. It's a massive EDH staple. It's got modest inventory, and it is a very popular subset of cards um, by uh, a big name artist, Dan Fraser, right? Uh, that is correct. And I think I called one of the other ones a couple months back. This one is just as good, and it's trailing a little bit behind. I think it was Demir Signet. The first. I think I called Arcane and Demir over the course of a couple weeks. I think any of the non-green Signets would be a, a pretty easy uh, pick, yeah. Yeah, Azorius is trailing a little bit behind here, and his will snap moth while they're getting as good. Um, let's see. Is... It, it's not on TCG under etched. Am I? I'm just. I just can't find it in TCG. Hang on. Because... I when I was trying to type it in earlier, one of the reasons it might be trailing is because the search function was not responding to it properly. Yeah, because you have to specifically look up foil etched. It doesn't show up when you click search all versions for Azoria Signet. Because, uh, yeah, no, this is uh, is pretty impressive. It's got. 39 listings right now uh anybody got a crazy amount 
uh, there's one person who's got 25 copies and everybody else is right around four. Uh, yeah, this seems like a great card. What's it in? Like 400 gabillion commander decks online? Yeah, a whole bunch. Yeah, so I'm with you. The The foil etched is, is where I'd want to be. It's a sweet version of a it's retro frame. It's everything you'd want. By the way, if people, if, if people are hearing popping sounds behind me, there's no gunplay in my neighborhood. It's just the it's Victoria Day, uh, outdated holiday up here in Canada where we celebrate the Queen. And so there are fireworks going off in the background. No kidding. You celebrate the Queen up there? I mean, in theory, I think it's mostly just an excuse for fireworks. But yeah. who needs an excuse for fireworks? Let, let's be real. OK, I can I can get behind this. You uh, said pick it up at 12 and you're picking 28. That seems legit. I would agree with that. All right. What's your first selection? My first selection, even though uh, you're talking smack about Giada decks, I'm picking a card that Giada will make pop pretty soon. I'm talking about Safara the Sky's Blade out of M20. Uh, there's been no... Um, this was right when the foil rates went up, but there's no com- collector boosters. So there's only the the pack foil and the regular foil, plus like a few pre-release foils out there. Uh, right now you can get Safara for around $6 in foil. And if you have never seen this card out, it's one of multiple angels that can give your team indestructible, which is really great in a commander deck. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be in anything else that's on the horizon unless they decide to throw this into Double Masters 2 or something. But I'm picking this to go 6 to about 20 once it drains out because there's not a lot of copies available online right now. There's... Uh, let's see, Safara. I was looking up earlier. Safara foils. You know the pre-release. We don't want. We want this one. Right now there are only. Uh, we only got uh, about thirty listings in. I'm sorry, twenty-two copies at near mint foil. Yeah, yeah. I think this is good because though it's only a foil rare, not a mythic. Um, this angel is an auto include in Giada and. It's not so much as I, that I'm talking smack about Giada, so much as I think it's a medium-level commander, and I don't think it's going to have, you know, top five of the year staying power, top 20 all-time. I think it's going to end up in the top 50 um, all-time and probably top 10 or 15 for the year. So take that for what you will. That said, it's entirely possible that EDH rec numbers even don't fully represent casual angel demand, because even just the... Uh, proactivity to list your deck somewhere might be more involved than the average angel player cares to partake in. It's hard to say, but I will tell you this: I got this. I saw this played multiple times this weekend out of the Giada deck. It was always good because you get to uh, tap one four untapped creatures you control with flying and pay a white instead of paying seven, which Giada can often accomplish. So you're getting a 7-7 flying lifelink that makes your other creatures indestructible, and then it turned off all the wraths at the table. And I think that was the game, the game where this dropped on like turn five or something was the game that the Jada player won that night. And somebody else in a future game cloned it to defend themselves against it, and it was good for them too. Um, Yeah, I think this is is good if you believe in Jada. And I like the fact that this has... No other fancy printings. If it does show up in something like Double Masters, then you're gonna get you're gonna get knocked back because there'll just be too many copies um, and it will overwhelm demand. 
But if it dodges a reprint, then yeah, these should go, what did you call it? Five to... I said six to 20. Six to 20. I think like I would, would have gone with something like five to 15, but I think like five or six to 15 to 20 makes sense to me here. Uh, my next one is Phyrexian Tower, a.k.a. Dracula's Tomb, foil borderless out of the secret layers that are just currently being delivered over the last couple of weeks and probably into the rest of this month. Um, currently available at $26 or so. I'm saying 26 to 44 in a year to a year and a half, which seems reasonable given that the Ultimate Masters foils got up into the mid-40s in about the same, same time frame. Phyrexian Tower is in 57,000 EDH rec decks. This is a very cool version of the card, best version of the card that's ever been. It's the only foil borderless version of Phyrexian Tower um, and the only one with uh, fresh art. So seems like a pretty solid selection to me. I'm with you. Uh, I forgot these dropped. I actually skipped this drop and I had to buy a couple of the cards from this for uh, other decks. And this is one I wish I had added to the cart because it would already be taken care of. Um, it doesn't look like a Phyrexian Tower, which is always a, a plus and a negative, but it's a good card. We know how good this is. We know that this is an auto-include in Corvold because you want to get all the sacrifices you can all the time. So yeah, this seems uh, totally legit. I am I am on board and... This seems like the perfect time to pick it up. Do you want to wait a little while before picking up? Do you want things to find the bottom? Or are you happy uh, diving in with the secret layers right away? I think it's fine for people to wait and see if the inventory fills up here in the next week or two. I'm not in a huge rush to grab these. It's possible they'll slide under 20. It's also possible they'll not do that. And they will crank up to the low 30s and then sit there for a while. Just keep an eye on it. I think you can dabble. This is the kind of thing. It's kind of like buying Amazon shares this this spring. You could, they're down a tremendous amount, and you could buy a little here, a little there, on some of these stocks that are down, and dollar cost average into a pretty decent position. If I'm looking at the top fifteen commanders and asking myself who might be running Phyrexian Tower, Henzi, Prosper, Atraxa, Korvold, Rafine, Wilhelt. Yeah, Will Yuriko, Help really loves this. Yuriko, Ishin, Lathril, and Zeatora are all reasonable homes for a Phyrexian Tower. So um, I think there's going to be plenty of demand for the card. Uh, yeah, so keep your eye on that one. What's your second selection? Uh, my other pick this week is uh, an M19 foil rare, uh, Dragon's Horde. Uh, right now you can get copies for around $7. Uh, I've got a few of these from... Earlier this year, I wrote about it, but it's actually come down a, a dollar or two from when I bought in. And uh, what, like, we're getting so many amazing dragons in this set. I feel like we're, we're we know we're getting a cycle of mythic dragons, so we're not getting a new Tiamat, we're not getting a new Ur dragon, we're not getting a new five color legend, but we're getting all kinds of good dragons. And this is one of the most amazing cards you can have in a dragon deck because it fixes your mana early builds up a bunch of counters, and then when your mana is no big deal, you're just tapping it to draw an extra card every turn. It's ridiculous. Um, it was in the Commander uh, for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, so it's got a fresh infusion of non-foils, but again, as a card that's a little bit older, there are no extended arts, there's nothing special to go chasing here, 
and uh, I think this is going to go from about 7 to 25 if, as we've been saying, it dodges a reprint in Double Masters. And Erdragon slipped back into the top 10 on the basis of the the CMR2 reveals. Like the, so, the dragons they're, they're putting out here. We're going to talk about them in a moment, and let me tell and, you. And the dragon, and the dragon enablers. Yeah. So bet- between all of that, uh, I can see this being reasonable. I mean, Gaming Company does have 18 copies um, anchoring the current price point, so the, the market needs to work through those, and they do sell kind of slow. But given enough time and the fact that Wizards will probably leave this alone for ages before a reprint, I, 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 suspect, this will be a, I suspect this will be a slow burn uh, spec accomplishment. Um, the other super S tier staple out of the recent secret layer that caught my attention is Rhystic Study slash Unstable Harmonics, which is in a unique frame. It's a foil special border. And I would imagine the next year, these are currently at $40, so they're not cheap. And Rhystic Study's non-foils tend to hang out in the $30 to $40 range. So it's possible that these will just get stuck. They'll just sit around in that range for a while until they drain out. However, there haven't been a lot of foil Rhystic Studies over the years. Um, The most prominent recent one is the Judge Foil that goes for $200 plus. So I think it's pretty... Uh, reasonable to suspect that from $39 or $40 you'll be able to get to $64 or $65 inside a year given that Rhystic Study is in 182,000 EDH rack decks. S tier stable. As good as it gets in in Commander. Every time it hits the board people groan. And yet I see no likelihood of it being banned anytime soon. So the real question here is can it dodge a further double masters or secret layer printing for the rest of this year if so i think this is a very good pick if we catch another version then it gets less so and it's a cool looking version of the card i don't think it's my preferred version i would agree uh i don't think the art is especially is especially good so if there was a borderless version in double masters 2 with great art then i think that would take precedent um precedence and so I see demand for this being medium, but they've been selling like 2Z, 3Z per day over the last couple of weeks. Uh, so if that continues on, then I think I think this will get here in the appropriate time slot, 8 to 12 months, I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, the, the non-foils are, are right there with Jumpstart and Mystery Booster. They're right there a little bit under 40. And so you can get foil versions for um, this much. And uh, do you, let's see, yeah. I'm looking at foil copies. Your next foil is the Commander's Arsenal foil for around 90. So there's some delightful room to grow in here. You know, it's not going to challenge the the Judge promo, but, you know, it's a, a cheaper foil, and it's got the uh, the Arcane thing going on, which was a good series. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I like this pick a lot. And the other... I think this is, this is going to do really well if you pick up a play set of these and then you're able to resell them for probably you know 50 percent gains the other thing is that there are a bunch of good cards but not amazing cards alongside this like they anchored this drop the arcane drop with rhystic study you, right because you've got path to exile counterflux thran dynamo duress seize the day and curse and grip those are all like 
good cards, but none of them has the pedigree of Rhystic Study. Path to Exiles had tons of promos. Thrand Dynamo is cool. Uh, it will be in the top three from here. Cross and Grips had tons of promos. The rest of them are kind of neither, are, are pretty small ball. So it's very possible here for this set to get up to 80 or $90 and the Rhystic Study to be the bulk of that value. Yep. I uh, I agree with you on that. I just I like that there is this nice room to grow, because your other foils are the original invasion foil, which is somewhere between like uh, your firstborn and your next three children, and then you've got the judge foil at a couple hundred, commander's arsenal around ninety, and then this one for around fifty. So slide right in there. Great pick. What is the original Rhystic study? Uh, I'm going to guess, let's see, it's like Invasion, right? Prophecy? But it's like common. Pro- oh, prophecy. Prophecy, Prophecy. Prophecy. Um, I'm going to guess... 375. I was going to say 500. Here's the thing. I'm willing to bet you that Prophecy Rhystic Study is going to be a $1,000 card one day, and we're supposed to be buying it under four. I mean, I can... I can understand that. They're They're only going to make more copies of it, but, you know, they're not going to be original old border foils like it would not be as expensive as it was if it weren't in the the retro the original border so when this is a thousand dollars we're going to look back at this podcast and say dang it should have done it i'd say two three years assuming commander stays strong for those years and it's not like monkeypox doesn't end civilization jesus christ what are you doing don't tempt fate like that then Rhystic Study foils are probably looking about as good as Blood Crypt Ascension foils did when we talked about those on cast. Yep. All right. Uh, final selection of the week is the Pro Trader pick. It's a pretty good one. Uh, this came up as a discussion point during the Commander game, and one of the players involved then submitted this as a pick. And indeed, it is still as correct as it was when we talked about it on Saturday night. Kristoff has submitted Archon of Emeria Foil Extended Arts for a 12-month horizon, and they are currently available at $6. There were a lot of Zendikar Rising Expeditions uh, Collector Booster story opened. I think, I think the scuttlebutt at the time was that there was like 20% more of them printed than they had done for previous collector booster boxes because they were expecting the expeditions to really drive things hard and indeed they did and lots got opened and as a result a lot of the good cards out of the, that set have taken a while to mature um but our kind of myriad to go he's saying six to 18 or so like 15 to 18 in the course of about a year seems pretty reasonable to me given that it's in 21,000 edh rack decks it's got 21 near mint listings left on TCG Player, and it's getting played in Pioneer, Modern, Standard. Uh, I think it shows up in Death and Taxes and Legacy as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we and, talked about it uh, last week, I believe. Uh, so, I mean, this thing, you can only cast one spell per turn, and your non-basic lands come into play tapped. So it does a lot of work. And it got played in, out of the Giada deck, I believe, this weekend, and really hampered the table for a while because i was about to go off with corbold at the time but i didn't have the correct spell to kill the archon without wiping the table and it it held me back for quite some time i mean yeah yeah this it's a it's a really good card and i am uh not surprised to see that it's uh done well 
Uh, I am checking my listings right now, and I bought I bought two playsets at eight dollars per playset in January of twenty one. So I can I can really get behind this pick. Twenty k or so includes is worse than the pathways, which are in the mid thirties to high thirties right now in EDH rack. Feed the swarms at eighty five thousand. Got a bunch of those foils too. Balagate recoveries at sixty six thousand, but other cards that are in the like mid twenties are things like Glasspool Mimic, Agadim's Awakening, Roiling Regrowth, Ancient Green Warden, Morog Fury of Akum. So, Archon in good company there. So, Kristoff, congratulations! You get a twenty five dollar gift certificate from our sponsor, Cool Stuff Inc. And I guess we'll cap things off this week with the latest Commander Legends two reveals. Uh, Pro Trader Discord pretty underwhelmed with this set so far. Well, you and I were talking about this before the cast. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on, but it it is lacking the. Uh, I need to give you a chance to to do this voice again, James. So let me let me set the scene here for for our audience. Uh, enter. It's a design conference room at Wizards of the Coast. Uh, they're getting together for their first meeting about what they're going to put into commander legends 2 and uh let's go to the action right there in the in there well hi hi guys uh gonna do a real big set here knock it out of the park it's gonna be gangbusters uh thinking about charging extra money for this one so we're gonna need a jeweled lotus who's got a jeweled lotus um why 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 do we need a jeweled lotus that that's we don't need those every set yeah, you do. You do if you want to sell things for a lot of money. Um, you got to have a really awesome card that everybody wants that'll be worth a lot of money. If you look at Streets of New Capenna, you got Obnixilis and Neon Dynasty had the Wandering Emperor. You know, Jeweled Lotus. Yeah, so you, you got one, right? Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, we've got some uncommon dragons that are also adventures. Okay, that'll probably be good enough, I guess. Think you figure they'll be worth like six, seven, and eight hundred dollars? Fanciest version? Oh, um, probably. People love dragons. Okay, good job, guys. And scene. That was amazing. Um, I, I. Could it, it's not... a little. It's a little premature. It's a little premature. I, I, I've been trying to hold the line with the pro traders on. You know, hold your breath. They might be sandbagging some stuff. They don't usually do that. They usually hit us pretty close to the front with most of the good stuff and save the bad stuff for the end. But it was possible that there was still some great stuff. And we're not done yet. There are still some mythic dragons to show off. Um, they showed off a couple of cool mythics today. There are, And then there's all of the new commander cards that I think we get next Monday or Tuesday um, that will end up being extended arts in the collector boosters. But almost no matter what they put in those, it's going to be pretty tough to say that this set is on par with commander legends one yeah because is that a mistake i i think so because it, it it's somewhere between adventures of the forgotten realms from last summer which was widely panned even though it actually has more good cards than people realize and cmr one which is quite a good set that was also whose cbs were underprinted during the logistics crisis related to covid and therefore are worth some obscene amount of money now five six seven hundred dollars or whatever um these do not look like cbs that are going to be going for six hundred dollars in two years 
It does look that way. I mean, we get um, some cool planeswalkers, some cool spells here at Mythic. Um, we got Legion Loyalty spoiled to give all your creatures Myriad, which is, uh, you know, nothing like an 8-mana enchantment that does nothing on its own. Uh, I, usually you got to pay 7-mana and you have to wait for somebody to cast something like a Mind's Dilation. But this is... Um, this is... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm, I'm a bit disappointed with like what's going on and considering the extra money that's gonna be uh, coming around for this because right now a lot of really neat things nothing really like holy biscuits the entire universe has to buy one of these and that's really the the miss. Currently, I feel like I'm looking at a fairly complex set where people are going to get wrong which what cards are the best cards. And there are going to be some amazing singles opportunities on this set. But it's going to take a little bit of work to figure out what people are supposed to be going after. So far, I feel like the Planeswalkers are going to do pretty well. I think Minsk is probably the best of the three that we've seen so far. I was thinking we were getting... You and I talked about there being a potential cycle of five, but that clearly is not happening. I think it's nope. just the three we they, got. They confirmed it's only the three. Yeah. Outside of those, I think the strongest mythics are probably Battle Angels of Tear. Right. Um, they revealed Font of Magic today, which is probably underestimated a bit. It's three and a blue. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each time you cast a commander from the command zone this game. It's not going to be in every Spells Matters deck, but I think if your Spells Matters commander is, you know, if you're in Blue Red, Bant, Jeskai, Grixis... Uh, and your commander costs three or less, and you're planning on casting it three or four times a game, then Font of Magic probably makes the cut. Um, because the deeper you get into the game, the more times you've cast it, the more ridiculously undercosted your spells become. I mean, it just uh, might as well say cast Baral on there. If I'm guessing which ones of these are going to be the, have the easiest path to success, I would think it's... Minsk and Boo, Battle Angels of Tear, Karlak, Fury of Avernus, which was revealed this week, four and a red, five, four, Tiefling Barbarian Legend. Whenever you attack, if it's the first combat phase of the turn, untap all attacking creatures. They gain first strike until end of turn. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. He doesn't need to attack. Note that. And you get a background. So it just doubles combat phases by being in play. Yep. And gets a background if it's your commander. So I think it's going to be a decently popular commander, two-color commander, and it also fits in a bunch of other red decks where it does similar work to other things that double your your um, your combat phases. So that Mythic is probably going to worth be a little bit of money. They also showed off Packed Weapon today, which might be too cute. Three and a black artifact equipment. As long as packed weapon is attached to a creature, you don't lose the game for having zero or less life. Whenever equipped creature attacks, draw a card and reveal it. The creature gets plus X plus X for until end of turn, and you lose X life where X is that card's mana value. Equip, discard a card. It's nice that equipping is just discard a card because you know, uh, reanimator strategies, that could be an upside. Yeah, you can make that a, a bonus. You know, you play it with some Madness cards, you can get there. Ultimately, you really want this on a creature they can't kill. So you want it on something that is indestructible and or hexproof would be ideal. And it might be a couple too many hoops. I, I can see this card doing a bunch of work in the right deck when, when it 
thoughtfully interacts with a bunch of your other cards. But I don't think it's cl- as clean as something like a Jeweled Lotus by a long shot. No. In terms of being an auto-include in, in so many different decks. I think the closest thing we've got to that of all the Mythics is El Minister's Simulacrum. You think that's going to be the, the Jeweled Lotus in this set? No, I don't I don't see a Jeweled Lotus. Uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, do you think that'll be the most expensive card? I think the top five Mythics are probably Minsk and Boo, Battle Angels of Tear, El Minister's Simulacrum. I think Legion Loyalty may be purchased quite a bit, even though it's not as good as it looks oh my god that's a, that's not a good card I, I i don't think it's i don't think it's a bad card i mean here's the thing something like an academy rector and this is just coming in whenever sure sure but that says a lot more about academy Re- like you're gonna academy rector and you're not gonna get omniscience come on sure sure yeah yeah there's plenty of things you could be getting this is like two mana less than an omniscience and omniscience is like gg good legion loyalty is like awesome it's super neat, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it's... Blade of Selves costs six to get on something and start swinging with Myriad. Myriad's really good. I'm not arguing how good Myriad is. I'm just saying that like eight mana to do this is a whole lot of mana. And you have to you know be doing something you know horrifically, horrifically unfair, like a, an Academy Rector or some kind of bring all your enchantments back gig going on blade of selves is 28 dollars. is it really yeah i had no 2015 i got a i think i got a set of those someplace it's only been reprinted in commander anthology volume two so i could see i could see legion loyalty at two more mana with some tricky ways to get it into play being more popular than the critics are giving it credit for i wouldn't put it at the top of this list the, the card that looks the easiest to include in the greatest number of decks, basically regardless of what you're doing, is El Minister's Simulacrum pretty close neck and neck with Battle Angels of Tear. Because first of all, Battle Angels of Tear having Myriad at four mana yeah. is probably better than everything having Myriad at eight mana. True. Assuming, you don't have a, assuming you're not built around getting enchantments into the yard and putting them into play for free or whatever. Um because you're getting so many triggers off the Battle Angels before you would ever get to 8 mana. Uh, it's just going to do more work in your average white deck. It's a good blocker, it's a good attacker, and it's got a bunch of upside. You can do other tricky things with it, like you can clone it, and then you're swinging with two of them. Um, so I think Battle Angels and El Ministers, because copying... Every time I saw a clone cast in the last few weeks, it's done some strong work. And Elminster's Simulacrum clones the best creature for each of your opponents. And right. I think the real key people are probably missing there is it's at instant speed. It's a really good card. I'm not I'm not debating how good the card is. Instant speed clone effects are pretty rare for a reason. Yeah. Like somebody somebody swings in on you and you copy the three biggest things at the table, block, eat all of their things, and then to proceed to generate value based on whatever silly things they do. It, it's hard to imagine that you don't do uh, ridiculous things with this in the average commander game. Yeah. So I think so far those are the mythics that jump out at me. I like Owlbear Cub. That's a cute rare. 
Tuna Green for 3-3. It's got a keyword ability, Mama's Coming. Whenever Owlbear attacks a player who controls eight or more lands, look at the top eight cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield tapped and attacking that player. Just look at boom. Eight, card, eight cards off the top and sneak attack something into play, and you get to keep it. And you get to keep it. And all you yeah. got to do is find the jerk who ramped a bunch of lands and cast the Cultivate into the name your poison for the the other one to find two lands like that's really good and it's just three mana for a three three it, it's guy, gonna be this, in play like wind grace really wants this to die right away <laughs> there are a lot of decks that want this to die like every, name your blue red what's the uh what's the merfolk who does the scry and then put it into play the thrasios oh yeah, yeah the the thing here is that a lot of these kind of triggers like high upside triggers are often on damage they are not on on player damage. They are not on attack. This thing just has to get into the attack phase. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you have a Lightning Greaves on two, Owl Bear Cub, Cub on three. You're not doing anything quite yet because oh, nobody, nobody has eight lands. But if they're ramping really hard, then you could be doing it on turn five. There is never a bad time to have this card. If, if nothing else, I love what it does to say, like, you better not go crazy, Mr. Land Ramp deck. It's certainly cute in group hug decks if you're casting a bunch of things that help encourage them to ramp. Like if you're doing like high ramp, you ramp effects. Um, Cub's cute. If it was a, if it was a, a mythic, it might be more interesting financially. Uh, I think it may be overlooked. I think the rare that jumped out at me today as being most interesting outside of Jahira, which we'll get to in a second, is Ascend from Avernus. Uh X, triple white, sorcery. Return all creature and planeswalker cards with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and then exile ascend. That's a very strong card in things that like attracts the planeswalkers, where for seven or eight mana, I'm bringing back all my four casting costs or five casting cost planeswalkers. The thing about Super Friends decks is typically what happens is you get a slow start, and you the easiest way to win with a Super Friends deck is to actually do nothing for a while. Right. If you make yourself innocuous and then start dropping two planeswalkers a turn, you can you might be able to overwhelm the offense on the board and make it difficult, especially if you've set up, you know, some uh, castle wall pieces to prevent people from attacking with a lot of creatures or, you know, meek stoning so people don't untap or whatever. And but if you go really hard and set up a bunch of planeswalkers early, people get nervous about ultimates and start talking about them, and then you become the arch enemy. But in the late game, almost no matter what's happened up until that point, you're going to have four, five, six, seven planeswalkers in your graveyard, and you're probably behind the board because now they're comboing off. But if you can ascend, drop them all into play, and then, for instance, use resourceful defense to move a bunch of counters from one... A, from one planeswalker to another, you might be able to ultimate immediately. This is like within a turn cycle. The bottom line being, lots of planeswalkers all at once and getting all your creatures incidentally yes. uh, is pretty good. Pretty so good, and the, and, a, and a unique effect to get creatures and planeswalkers in this way. Yeah, it's strictly better than Agadim's Awakening. I mean, Agadim's Awakening is a land on its flip side, which is handy, but like you have to like choose different. Uh, converted mana costs for Agadim's Awakening. For this, you just slam it and just put them all into play. 
And... I've cast Agadims many times, and you are often limited by what's in your yard. Yeah, this in has something like no limit. Yeah, in something like Muldrotha, you might get a one drop, two drop, three drop, four drop, five drop mid to late game. But in a lot of decks, you get a one drop, two drop, three drop. And can still be good. You can still combo off, depending on what you get. Um, but I, I certainly put Ascend up into that tier. Um, it's a rare, though. Not a mythic. Um, brickable? Yeah, maybe. It depends how cheap it gets. Like, if, if these if a bunch of these are sitting around at a dollar, I'm certainly more interested than at seven. I mean, that's... That's going to be how it is. I don't think we know yet which ones have extended art and which ones don't. Am I right? Mm, no, but I would I would assume all default rares and mythics that don't have an alternate treatment are getting extended right. art. We just um, we know that some of them are getting borderless treatments, um, like some these these dragons are. Uh, so this one's probably going to Plan- have planeswalkers and dragons are getting that guess. borderless. Yeah, so we'll get the uh, extended art, and uh, that would probably be where I want to be. It's not, uh, I mean, it's not, it's one color, so that puts it one up over Eerie Ultimatum, and Eerie Ultimatum is uh, a backbreaker of a card, which I love playing. So uh, I'm with you on Ascend from Avernus. Uh, what do you think of uh, the Archivist of Ogma, the one in a white flash? Whenever an opponent searches their library, you gain a life and draw a card. Like, that... This has... This seems it, like a solid... It's calling to me. It's it's a solid card. This... Every time they search. So anytime they fetch, anytime they tutor. is kind of like your default. Um, right. This is probably, for two mana, going to end up getting you three or four life and three or four cards a game. In a commander game. Yeah. Yeah. They, they won't play around it very often because the up the downside like the upside for you is not scary enough for them right in, in much the same way that nobody ever pays for their taxes like nobody ever pays for Ristic or esper sentinel or smothering tithe until the late game it's pretty awesome i like it a lot um well did we talk about monster manual last week uh, I think we did, yep. Okay. Uh, we haven't talked about J- Jahira, Friend of the Forest, in specific. So two and a green for a human elf druid, all relevant creature types. Two, three. Tokens you control have tap, add green, and it chooses a background. So... Any token, not just a creature token. Yeah, so absolutely I slide this into Corvold, for instance, and Ginny because in Ginny all my bajillion tokens can tap for mana to help advance the game plan or rebuild or whatever. And in Corvold, all the treasures uh, are moxes instead of treasures. So that's that's worth. And the fact that it can have a background, keep in mind that's only if it's your commander. But there should be demand for this card, both in being built in two or three different ways as a commander, depending on the, the, the partner color of the background you select, or being included in the 99 for a bunch of other decks. So this this looks like a brickable card to me. I'm with you on that. I, I like this a lot. I want to like Blood Money, but I just don't think it's going to get there. Uh, Blood That's Money. The s- seven mana mythic. Destroy all creatures for each non-token creature destroyed. This way you create a tapped treasure token. Right. Uh, it is an excellent setup into a naked revel in riches. Sure. Sure, because... I like that. Like, for instance, I damnationed and toxic deluged into a Revel in Riches the other night, and they just 
barely at the last second got rid of the revel before I killed him. <laughs> like it was the last player's turn turn before mine, and they they dug for an answer and found one. But if it had been a a blood money, they there would have been enough treasure on the table almost immediately to for them to lose. Now you're you're going from four mana for an efficient or three or four mana for an efficient sweeper to seven to get this effect. So seven mana sweeper. I mean it's it's more cute than good. Yeah, name a seven mana sweeper that sees play in Commander right now. I mean I might experiment with this in Corvold as my I have I think I have Blasphemous Act, Toxic, and Damnation in there right now. You're not replacing hard. any of those with this. Yeah. It's hard to believe that I would. It, you'd have to be tuning down on purpose. It, there, there are key, like niche situations where it's going to do work for you, but I would imagine this, you know, this at Mythic, hard to believe it's going to get there. Um, I think Displacer Kitten's a pretty good looking rare. Right. In a blue for a two-two cat beast with avoidance. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, exile up to one target non-land permanent you control. Then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So, any non-creature spell flickers that's pretty good that's very good that is uh something that you can definitely uh like just mess with everybody on and it's it's gonna get you a lot of value one of the cute things is it's not just flickering creatures it's flickering non-land permanence so sometimes in a spells matters deck Flicker effects are less exciting because you have to find this perfect balance between the creatures you would be flickering and the spells you you would be using to do the flickering. What's that, Mystic Sanctuary? I couldn't hear you over the sound of you flickering back and forth eight billion times. Yeah, but in this case, like you, you for instance, could have uh, an enchantment that has a comes into play ability, and mm-hmm. and you could be casting that to flicker. Uh, flicker another enchantment that has it comes into play ability and and creatures could have nothing to do with it like the displacer kitten could just be part the engine that was driving all of that silliness um this looks very good to me i put this on like on a chasm skulker level right like might be under the radar at first but people will find a lot of use for it over time uh it's a it's a little unfortunate that's it's two two and costs four mana right. i feel like this probably could have cost like one mana less and been a little bit more pushed no, I mean, you can always uh, cast your opt or whatever to protect itself. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to get your, your, your job done and you're going to be pretty happy with it, I imagine. Like, you're going to get it out of there. Um, I, I think that the card I'm looking forward to playing most so far, I mean, like, aside from all the dragony goodness, because I've got a lot of difficult choices in, in the Ur-Dragon coming up. Uh, I can't wait to put Call to the Void in every black deck just for the pain it will cause people and the metagame of, like, what's my best creature? What's my wor- What do I think people are going to pick for me and what do I think they're going to pick for each other? Because it's four and a black sorcery. Each player secretly chooses a creature they control and a creature they don't control. Everybody reveals their choices and destroy each creature chosen this way. Just like the the mini game of what gets dead on this is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I can see that. I also like Sivris Nightmare Speaker. Three and a black for a 3-3 Snake Cleric Warlock. 
Tap, sack another creature or artifact. And again, lots of treasures running along, running around. So sacking an artifact, pretty easy these days. For each opponent, you mill a card, then return that card from your graveyard to your hand unless that player pays three life. This reminds me a lot of Protection Racket. It is a similar kind of thing. People are going to be like, your opponents have too many choices. This is a bad card. They're going to be wrong because it's every activation, three different decisions need to get made. And either you are tapping, sacking a treasure, and draining the table for nine, or you've got some combination of draining for six, keeping a card, draining for three, getting two cards. These are all very good things when it's just tap, sack. And you probably have upside to your sacking anyway in the deck in question. Like in Corvold, I could use this indiscriminately on any given turn. And if you have ways to untap this a bunch of times... Uh, oh, yeah. Say it's in. It happens to be in a blue deck, and you're doing it with with Intruder Alarm or something. And in the course of a turn cycle, you're going to put two or three things into play, creatures into play, and untap Sivirus a bunch of times. Then it gets real silly. It's also a pretty decent commander build around itself because it can choose a background. So this can be a two color commander, and you can figure out some fun ways to basically have a protection racket style effect throughout most of the game. And I can see building this just for fun and trying to figure this out as a puzzle. I think that I think building the background commanders will be underrated up front, and people will dis- discover over time, probably via YouTube videos, that there's actually a bunch of fun builds that they didn't realize existed because they weren't looking at the two cards side by side. I agree. Uh, I think Sivirus goes into a, a lot of things that are already good. Um, I think I'm going to put a copy of Sivirus into my Iara deck because it's already got plenty of things laying around for me to sacrifice and. You know, I've got every variation on Blood Artist and uh, Vindictive Vampire and whatnot. So this is going to, to do some work in there, too. And you just, you can't, like, it's true that your opponent gets the choice, but both those choices suck. <laughs> and so uh, I, I'm looking forward to the first time I get to drain somebody for probably nine life before they say, no, I'm tired of it, and they just kill it. Uh, that seems That seems real good. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Gale's Redirection, uh, the new counterspell variant. Uh, three blue blue for an instant. Exile target spell, then roll a d20 and add that spell's yeah. mana value. So if you end up with 1 to 14, you may cast it as long as it remains exiled. You may spend mana for any color. And if that t- adds up to 15 or more, you may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost as long as it's exiled. So you just get this great uh, version of uh, Spelljack is the card I'm thinking of, right? Like Spelljack is the one that stole it. Yeah. Uh, but we've, we've had variations of this, and this one is probably the best so far. See, compared to something like Deflecting Swat, <clears throat> this is just fine. This will see play, but I don't think it's that big a deal of a card. I think you're saying more about SWAT than than you are about this card, because SWAT is redonk good. There's just a bunch of redirect effects, or like you choose target effects, that see modest to moderate play, and I don't see this breaking through. You choose the the targets. You steal the spell. You like, did you cast like uh, a time stretch? Great. Now I get to cast time stretch. Did you cast a wrath? I've got a wrath. Did you cast a creature? I've got a creature. This isn't just choose new targets. Yeah, fair. That's true. But it's still five mana. At, at six mana, I can cast Owl Ministers and steal the three best creatures at the table. You're not stealing. You're copying them. You're not stealing them. 
Sure, not ceiling, but it's still a higher. Like this is a is still a two for one. They they lose their spell and you gain one, where El Ministers is a three for one. Fine, El, one El Ministers mana. is better. I'm still like. Um, I'm I think still... this is a good. I think this is a good card, but I don't. I don't know if it's a spec. I am looking forward to buying a, a big stack of these around fifty cents a piece for the extended arts. Okay. Yeah, I can't wait. And then and then looking for a buy list exit, I presume. Then, yeah. Do you think that the the orbs of dragon kind are going to make it into dragon decks? Uh, that's uh, that's been a, a hot topic among other dragon players and myself. My initial read is maybe. Uh, the red one giving your dragon haste that that's big money letting your dragon come into play and do stuff right away however um three mana to get a mana rock that uh is only it all it gives a bonus to the dragons it doesn't like only um do the the thing for for other it's not like you can't use the mana in other ways but um, having the option to give haste, or what are the other two? One one gives it a plus one plus one counter and hexproof until your next turn. Boo! Uh, I got effects to do that, and then the uh, the other one, Scry two. The, Scry yeah, two is Scry two. really good. Like whenever I have uh, past past ancestry out, and I'm playing dragons, I'm like, I get to look at my next card. Oh, I don't like that, and now I get two. I am inclined to say they will not get a lot of play, and we're going to have like it's a common in these, so there's going to be a lot of them. So I'm yeah. not I'm not going to go too hard on them. But if I were to pick up a brick, I think I would start with the red one because that's the most immediately efficacious way to go about it. Plus, um, you know, you want the red orb when you're dealing with dragons. And just the original orb of dragon is it just called orb of dragon kind? I can't even remember now. Um, the the two mana one that has one tap add two mana, so you are getting a mana out of it. But the fact that it comes down on turn two is very important to your your mana curve when you're playing. You know, stuff that starts at three and uh, four, five, and six mana. I think that. Uh, this background was not revealed last week when we were speaking. Agent of the Iron Throne. Two and a black. Commander creatures you own have whenever an artifact or creature you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. So, mm. this is one of the better black drain enchantments ever printed, but your commander has to be in play. Right. So, it's it's... These are well-designed cards. They are balanced. They're they're pushed, generally, but unless you're using it as a background, um, it's going to be worse than it reads. Like, for instance, in Corvold, I will probably at least try this, because I can't use it as a background, but every time I sack one of the many treasures that deck is designed to build... You're, you're running Magda, you're running Bootlegger Stash, you're running uh, Jolene and all the other stuff that makes treasure. So I have treasures all the time. So every time I, I sack a treasure, each opponent loses a life. Pretty good card. But, it is really good. But I have to have Corvold in play for it to do anything. And that's... So it's, it's, it's a lot better in the deck with whatever commander it makes sense with. 
I'm going to try it in Ayara, and that's probably the only one I'm, I'm going to do. But you're right, it does add, like, this is an effect that, you know, uh, this is uh, Disciple of the Vault. It's good enough to get banned in Modern as a one-drop creature. So the the power level is there, and we will just have to see, like, is it, how much of a drawback is it that this, you know, it either needs to be with a commander with background, or it needs to just hang out in the 99 for Korvold, for Ayara, for anybody who wants to go uh, sacrifice. Oh, you uh, control It's you control Oh, it's not as good as I was about to say. They showed off a green spell today that was really good in Ginny Fey. I'm trying to track down. Cloakwood Hermit. Two and a green for a background. Commander creatures you own have at the beginning of your end step. If a creature card was put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, create two tapped 1-1 one, one green squirrel creature tokens. So in Ginny Fey slash Jetmere, the any of your creatures dies, you get two back, and Ginny Fey turns them back into basically doubles. You know, like one of your 2-2 two, two cats dies, you're going to get two 2-2 two, two cats back as a result. But again, you have to have Ginny Fey in play. P- p- definitely worth testing in that deck, because Ginny Fey is like three mana, then five, then seven, so she tends to be in play for most of the game. Right. Pretty much every time I wipe the board against that, Ginny Fey just comes back the turn after and goes off again. And if you, if there's a commander that can use this as a background to similar effect, it's gonna I think it's going to be a pretty strong combo. I mean, yeah, I I could wish that it was like every end step or you could trigger it more than once, but getting two tokens because something died is not terribly difficult to set up. So I feel like you're going to you're going to be able to get some good mileage with this. I feel like it's going to be a little underwhelming, but two tokens a turn is going to add up real quick. So but, if you want to go if you want to go mono green with Jahira, then Whenever one of your creatures dies, you get two squirrels, and the squirrels tap for green. Yeah. Um, is this card uncommon or rare? I can't tell from the... Uncommon, I think. No, uh, I'm th- I'm looking at a different card, at uh, Inspiring Leader. Uh, let me see if it comes up on one of the other pages. As you're looking that up, I tested Babala Saga last weekend in Korvold. I was happy with that there. That's the 3-3 where you sack up to three permanents. If there were three or more card types among the sacrifice permanents, each opponent loses three life, you gain three life, and you draw three cards. That worked out well for you? Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty cute. Um, I think once I did it with a new Capenna pseudo-fetch on the stack. Right. Because those... Oh, because you want to sacrifice... Tri- yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they come into play, and the trigger to go find a basic goes on the stack, and then you sack it. Did you get the basic and the effect? I can't remember if that works or not. The do do the Nuka Penalands sack immediately? No, they 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 put a trigger on the stack, uh, and I guess you do have a frame in there to a window to respond. Right, go do that. Yeah, I think so. I. I can't remember for sure, but the two or three different times I activated it, it felt good every time. Because <laughs> each opponent lost three, I gained three, and drew three cards for just a tap tap activation. So, pretty strong. Um, we tried to test the Myriad Angel, but we never saw Battle Angels come into play, I don't think. The... 
there was the the black red guy where every time a creature died you got a treasure at the end of turn right he seemed fine not as good as baba saga and overall i see you know we still got some reveals to go here but i see a very medium set with some sneaky good cards i i don't think some of them are not sneaky at all but yes i, I think you're right we don't have we have a lot of good stuff we have a complicated ass set and this is going to play like commander legends did right you draft it for pods of four I believe is what we're supposed to do with it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the case or not, to be honest. I mean, I, I can't imagine they put Myriad into a set where you're only attacking and goad into uh, things that only have one opponent. So I'm pretty sure it, it works the same way for draft events. But there's a, a lot of things here where um, I am probably going to let somebody else do the work of buying the collector boosters and opening and then I will come along later for the singles. I don't see anything that makes me like want to have sealed of this in stock. Like, so far, so far, lots of people agree with you. I'm holding my holding my final judgment till I see the rest of what's going to be in those collector boosters. Because if the commander cards that show up as EAs are very good, and if some if one or two of these remaining mythic dragons are very impressive, like old Nawbone level good, that certainly helps. But we're still we're still a ways off from this being an absolute home run. It's looking, again, very medium. So we'll talk about the final cards and give our final opinion on that next week. And then I guess maybe the, the week after that, we'll probably have Jason back on to talk about... Tell us uh, how wrong we are. The set on the whole. Where can uh, folks find you online? Well, you can find me online at Word of Commander, as well as my weekly articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at MTGCritic, as well as via my occasional articles on MGDPrice.com. I actually finally have a new one coming up this week, talking about which versions of Magic cards you should be buying and what the uh, how long you will end up holding them, etc., to get the best gains. Uh, you should also remind our listeners to check out the MGDPrice.com Pro Trader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best mtg finance minds in the business low-cost group buys and a super active discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing magic the gathering once again mtg fast finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best in magic the gathering singles sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles please use the promo code finance5 that's the word finance and the number five during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Another one in the books, James. And then we got a whole new set coming out in like three weeks, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think d- double master's previews are in two weeks or something. Oh uh, my god, that's going to be a lot. Brings us to the end of MGG Fast Finance Podcast 325. Enjoyed our discussion tonight, Cliff. And uh, we'll catch you guys all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.